the left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by Aguila. Three bounds. Another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. All right, welcome to this hour of the program. Welcome to Flames Talk on a Wednesday, June 28th. Coming at you from the draft floor at the 2023 NHL Draft here at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee. It is day three of our draft coverage, but day one of the 2023 NHL Draft. And uh, it has been a busy lead-up. It's been a busy Wednesday in terms of news. We had some Flames news on this Wednesday with the news of Yegor Sharangovich, acquired Tuesday from New Jersey, signing an extension of two years and $3.1 million per. We'll get to all of that as this hour gets going. Frank Saravalli will join us here on the floor at the draft a little bit later on, and we'll hear from Todd Button, the Flames Director of Amateur Scouting, all before we get to the end of this hour. This hour is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, live right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe, even through employee turnover. Visit Calgary Lock and Safe. Com. Steinberg, Aaron Vickers with you here at Bridgestone Arena. Hello, Vicks. Hey, buddy. What's shaking? Not much. Your voice sounds better than it did on Tuesday. A lot so of green already, tea. Already, yeah, you, uh, that's good. good pro move. I'm, uh, I'm proud of you. I learned from the best. It's, hey, I do take my, my voice is usually pretty on point even after rough nights. So uh, I think it's more singing advice. at the honky tonks than, than quote unquote rough nights. That's a fair point. We'll go with that. Um, let's uh, let's continue breaking down Tuesday's trade with New Jersey. That's the biggest piece of news that the Flames have made so far since draft week began. And the Flames on Wednesday night at the first round of the NHL draft hold the 16th overall selection for now, and well for. Th- time being believe that they're going to select at 16 with anything can happen of course um but now that Yegor Sharangovich has signed a two-year extension uh we can dive into that a little bit and let's do so because uh I know there's been a lot of discourse on this and a lot of conversation about this on social media and the fact that they signed him to a two-year deal which does indeed walk him to free agency if you're um if, if you're fuzzy on what it takes to be eligible for unrestricted free agency in most circumstances age of 27 or seven years of counting years in the NHL, and we don't have to get into what a counting year is, but seven years or 27 years old is the typical uh, qualifier for when you become an unrestricted free agent. For Sharon Govich, he'll be 27 in two years. He'll be UFA. Uh, This two-year contract does indeed walk him to UFA. Uh, So agree or disagree, this is where I believe the Flames are coming from on this, Um, and and just talking to some different people around the league and people who are smarter on contracts than I am. This this is where, and, and just even talking to some people uh, around the flames this is where i think they're coming from uh, I'll, I'll throw the information at you you can agree or disagree okay. think it makes sense you listening you vix uh so it's a two-year deal 6.2 million 3.1 on the aav um they're looking at this as a flexibility play i think because because of how things went with Toffoli, it became clear they had to trade him and trade him pretty quickly like they, they wanted to get that done as soon as possible and so with Sharon Govich I still don't know if they exactly know what they have I think they they believe what he can be they're confident in their pro- projection of him 
but I don't think that they, I don't think anybody knows exactly what he is at this point. So now they feel that they have two years to evaluate him, and if at the end of the two years it hasn't worked out, they've got the flexibility of just having that contract come to an end and being able to walk away and say, okay. Um, it also gives them the flexibility to keep the cap hit a little bit lower because you're not buying any ufa years and i really think what the flames are going for here what i believe and what i've kind of been led to believe is that yeah they're they're really looking to be flexible with their cap here in the next two or three years they really want to be flexible as they try to reload things and put the team in a little bit of a different direction and by having a flexible cap you hamstring yourself a little bit less in doing that so keeping the cap hit lower getting one point something related leaf uh of cap space from player to player going from Tafoli to Sharon Govich that's what they have done and and so I think that's one of the reasons why they went with the two years they also believe that if he has a good first year I think that well they can re-sign him or push to extend him after year one and start to look at that next summer so yes this deal walks him to unrestricted free agency I think ideally the best term would have been three years but that would have pushed the cap hit higher and would have given them less cap relief and with them wanting to be really flexible I think they were okay with going the two years so for for me, it's a and 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 what I think they're going at here, what I believe they're aiming at here, is a flexibility play, and it remains to be seen if that flexibility play works out properly. But I think that that's the reason why they went with a two-year term on Sharon Govich as opposed to buying UFA years, and uh, we'll see how it works out. Again. I, I, one thing that I'm really confident in is that they'll make a big push to sign him to an extension if year one works out to be a really good year or a promising year for him as a member of the Flames. Yeah, I'm not necessarily going to disagree with your assessment off the hop. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take it slightly different, and you touched on it a little bit. To me, this is more an indication of a show-me contract. Is he the guy that scored 24 goals and 46 points as a sophomore in the NHL two seasons ago? Or is he a guy that scored 13 goals, had 30 points, and was a healthy scratch in the playoffs this past season? So the Calgary Flames can do all the scouting they want. Now they get to look under the hood a little bit. He's a member of the organization. They can see him in practice. They can see him in games. They can get a better read of evaluating him. And if it's a situation where it doesn't work out, again, the term is short enough that you can bite the bullet. And if it's something that it does work out, he's a fit for the organization, he's able to grow, return to the player that scored 24 goals maybe blossoms on the power play gives you flexibility at all three forward positions can touch both ends of special teams then yeah there's nothing to say that you can't start working on a contract extension for him after the first year it's a similar situation where tyler Toffoli found himself this year where yeah there's still term on the contract the calgary flames learned what the demand was going to be established that it wasn't something that they were going to be able to do something they were going to meet so you move on you have the opportunity with Sharon Govich now to, to really discover and learn exactly what he's all about, see the habits behind the scenes and on the ice. And if it's something you like, there's nothing from stopping you uh, from extending it. Now, you're right. That's the flexibility element. So now you've got two years. It's a lot easier to swallow a contract that doesn't work out if it's only two years as opposed to six, seven, eight years. And it also just gives them the chance to step back and go, okay, we keep the cat hit, cap hit down. We gain some more flexibility. By the time that this deal needs to be renegotiated, the cap is going to go up again if it does happen to work out. So I think it's one, show me what kind of player you are and we'll reward you. And two, 
we want to keep some flexibility in the situation. And look, I understand that you say you're walking a guy to UFA, but we, we're, we're talking about the difference of two or three years. I don't think a contract was ever going to be three years. I do think the ideal number, if you could have kept it at around a $3 million hit, would have been three. But if the cap hit's going to go high, I mean... If this was a franchise player or a core member of your team, no questions asked, and you walked him to the first year of eligibility as a UFA, a little bit different. But I, I think, I don't know if it, it's bordering on what I think what you called it, a show-me contract. I think that this is a, they don't exactly know what they have. They have a good feeling, and they are excited about what he could be. They are absolutely willing to go down the extension road in a year if he shows them that's what he is. But the uh, the in the end, they still don't know. And so if it doesn't end up working out, and if Sharon Govich isn't a fit with Huberto or isn't a fit with Kadri or whoever he might play with, well then, okay. The end of the two years, say okay. Well, we got the third round pick, um, which they are looking at as as a big asset and an important asset in this conversation. And you go from there. So that's I, I know there's been a lot of criticism. I even understand the initial thought of whoa, they're they're giving them only the two years, which walks him to unrestricted free agency. I won't lie, that was my first thought as well. But just checking around, I thought I'd give you the the reasoning from a flame standpoint as I understand it. And now we wait to see if the flexibility play play pays off but i do think that is one thing the flames from from what i understand the flames are going to be very very adamant about flexibility and about not hamstringing themselves because they have buckled themselves to a number of contracts of players that are going to be around large contracts into mid and late 30s whether it's Kadri, Huberto, Uyghur all of those contracts uh, are going to expire when those guys are in their late 30s and so they want to avoid those and in the next couple of years as they try to pivot this organization and try to put them on a different track they feel, I believe, like flexibility is super important for them. Yeah, if you're going to be rebuilding, retooling, reshaping what your roster looks like, the biggest element that you need to keep in mind is the flexibility to do things. And if you're handing out longer-term contracts, that really does not allow you to do certain things that you might want to do. And, and you touched on it, and I think it's very important. Buying UFA years isn't free. You don't get them at three years, four years, at 3.1. The price goes up. So not only are you maintaining your cap flexibility that you got in making the exchange for Tyler DeFoley, somewhere around 1.25, 1.5, I haven't done the math, but you're maintaining flexibility term on money. And hey, I know maybe if you want to look at it as a bridge deal and you'll have Flames fans pointing to, well, they should have signed Matthew Kachuk to an eight-year deal when they had the chance. This isn't necessarily that same scenario. And if Yegor Shergovich gets himself into a position where he can command a longer term contract for bigger money significant money you're happy with that with the calgary flames because that means he's going to be a 30 goal guy he's going to be a 60 to 65 point guy and that's worth exploring like that's a good thing for the calgary flames if you have to pay him later it means he's doing something right on the ice and that trade would be a smash for craig conroy so we'll see and and you know part of a flexibility move and part of trying to be flexible is then what you do with that added leg room or what you do with that added wiggle room you still have to do it right but i do think a lot of what we're going to see over the summer over the next number of months is going to be based on trying to 
free up cap space and allow for Craig Conroy and this management team a little bit more space under the cap, a little bit more wiggle room to be able to make some moves to actually reshape the franchise, whether it be signings, whether it be trades, that type of stuff. I'll read you some text before we get into... um, before we get into the other side of the trade and hear a little bit from Tyler Toffoli, now a member of the New Jersey Devils. Uh, this reads, this signing is also subject to him excelling. If his production goes down two years, it's just fine. That's just it. Like, if it's if if two years from now it's just not working, you're like, okay, well, we gave it a try. We got the third-round pick. From the Flames standpoint, you hope that you hit on that third-round pick and get a good prospect. And you say, okay, well, we gave it a try. We thought that we projected this player. doesn't end up working, but you're not tied to him for another year or two or three because you signed him to a longer-term deal right from the get-go. Um, this says, yes, but Jaeger would still have to want to stay if he does, uh, which has been a problem. Now, I don't know if you've read the quotes. Wes Gilbertson spoke to him at, at Post Media. Ryan Dietrich in the Flames spoke to him over at CalgaryFlames.com. Like those, those quotes sound like he's pretty excited to be here and not just the, yeah, I'm excited to be here. It sounds like he's really, really grateful the team took a chance on him uh, and that he's getting that fresh start. So it, it sounds like Sharon Govich is super happy to get a new opportunity and a change of scenery. Um, right, um, right now, Jaeger is English. He's not super comfortable doing a, a live radio hit, which I fully, fully yep. understand. So uh, a little bit easier for him to be able to uh, chat in a more taped environment for Flames.com, for Wes and Post Media at, uh, at the Sun and Herald. So we're not going to speak to him uh, for that reason, at least not right now. Um, maybe when he comes to town, uh, we'll be able to sit down with him and do it in more of a taped environment. I think he's a really, really fascinating player, though. And I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes. A few other texts at 960, 960. Um, this says, why are you trying to justify this lousy trade? You could have got this done for a fifth-round pick or on waivers. Well, okay, I don't think that is uh, factually correct. Um, but I know there are a lot of people who are not in love with the trade, and, and that's fair. Um, well, and just to interrupt you on that don't point. Don't ever interrupt me. Look at some of the trades we've seen over the course of the last few days. Like, what did Riley Smith Yeah, get? yeah, I, and I want to get to okay. that when we get into Foley, because I think it's a really important yep. thing to get to. Uh, this says the deal also suits the player with the cap potentially growing. That's on himself. Strong work on the agent. Yeah, for sure. I think this is one that, from a flame standpoint, you can see the flexibility, but without question, I think from a player's standpoint, uh, you like the fact that you're betting on yourself and you're going to be an unrestricted free agent in a couple of years. Uh, this says if he shows he's a 20-plus goal scorer and wants too much or won't re-sign, his trade value will be more than Tyler Toffoli's was. This reads, bottom line, they had to get younger, roll the dice. And this says from Dan and Cochran, makes zero sense to me why Flames fans think he should get a longer-term contract. Buying UFA years ups his AAV. Do you really want him at 4 by 4 he, ha- he hasn't earned that yet. Hopefully he does prove to be that good, but that's irresponsible to give out at this stage of his career. That's from Dan in Cochrane. Uh, text line 960-960 is open. Let's move to the other side of this, and let's talk a little bit about Tyler Toffoli because there's been a lot of different discourse out there about Toffoli and why he ended up getting traded, why there wasn't a re-signing, all that type of stuff. Here's what I'm fairly confident happened. This is kind of the, the timeline as I understand it as to why now Toffoli's a member of the New Jersey Devils. So they did have initial conversations, um, whether it was right 
when Conroy was hired. I don't know exactly when they happened, but there were initial conversations once Conroy was installed as general manager. He and Toffoli's camp uh, touched base, and they were far apart. Um, and so Toffoli's camp in the initial conversations were very adamant about a longer term. I believe in the six- or seven-year range is what the Toffoli camp would was very adamant about when it comes to what they want the contract to look like. The Flames were looking to go significantly shorter, like in the three-year range. So there was a significant gap. You had one camp that was in the six- or seven-year range and one camp that was in, like, the three-year range. And they had a shortish period of time to figure it all out. So uh, that it was kind of determined that there is this gap is going to be too much to bridge. So the conversations never really took on much more life than that, especially as the Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm stuff had to be figured out. So that's – and then once it was clear that this gap was going to be too much to bridge um, – to fully, and I don't, I don't know if he demanded a trade, but he said, "Yeah, I, okay, then, then perhaps a trade is the way to go. Perhaps you know a new direction is the way to go." So that's how I understand it all came to be. And at some point in the last three or four days, it became pretty clear that moving to Foley was going to be the best for the Flames and was going to be the best for Toffoli. There was just too much of a gap there, and the Flames were being super pragmatic. And Toffoli was looking for a lot of term, understandably so, coming off a career season. See what you can get this was uh tyler Tafoli uh at a media news conference he did a conference call with media on tuesday night after the trade and he was asked about why things didn't necessarily move in the direction of an extension with the flames it was uh, our eric francis who asked these questions uh this was tyler Tafoli on tuesday i definitely like i said at you know my end of year meeting i i wanted to stay and i had talked to tree obviously tree's not there anymore but um, the conversation was had and uh, I think everybody knew I wanted to stay, but it uh, was one of those things where uh, there wasn't a whole lot of conversation and it didn't sound like there's any sort of, um, uh, you know, need for me and, and or want in, in a way. So it, uh, it was a personal decision and um, it was, I thought it was, it was time for, for myself and for my wife to, to experience something different and, and move forward. Okay, so it was a trade request. It wasn't just simply, I'm not going to sign an extension. It was, uh, I was waiting for sort of an extension conversation and there was none um, coming and didn't feel like there's one in the future. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's how you, uh, how you look at it. Hey, Tyler, I remember the conference call when you were traded to Calgary. And I know it's kind of tough to maybe sum this stuff up after an hour notice. But how are you going to reflect on your time with the, the Flames organization? I had, I, it was it was amazing. I obviously I got brought in and um, to one of the best teams in the league uh, a couple seasons ago, and obviously things kind of fell short. But it felt like we were uh, we were moving on, and um, you know things were were going to head in the right direction. And obviously last season was uh, was a little bit of a disappointment, so to so to say. We we wanted to do so much better. We had high expectations, and um, obviously fell extremely short. And uh, at the end of the day, this is you know not only me getting moved, but um, with Tree and Daryl and all that, that's kind of what happens if, if you don't live up to the expectations. So um, I think at the end of the day, it would obviously the ups and ups and downs, but uh, a great experience overall. The The city was awesome and uh, we loved our time there and obviously it was short, but uh, we definitely enjoyed it. 
So that was Tyler Toffoli on Tuesday after the trade. Um, so that's, look, it kind of, and this was what, uh, and by the way, just this was what Craig Conroy told us, the GM of the Flames told us on Tuesday after the trade as well. You're kind of weighing everything moving forward. It's You're not just looking at this year or next year. You're kind of mapping things out for the next, you know, three or four years. And we just felt like as good as Tyler played for us, uh, you know, moving forward with what we have, if we could get a little younger and get similar production from a younger guy, and I'm not saying that the 73 points was amazing for Tyler. He, he did everything he could for us, but we just felt like at this time we had to kind of make a make a move and, and get a little younger and get a guy that has a chance to, you know, score some goals for us and, and be a part of this moving forward. So, yeah, it, they, were, they were too far apart when it was all said and done, and... As time went on, uh, it became pretty clear that the gap wasn't going to be bridged. There weren't a lot of conversations happening because they were super far apart. And so the trade ends up happening. They make the deal, and here we are. And and so that's how I understand we got to the point. We talked a little bit about this while we were reacting to it on Tuesday. You had a fairly far apart. You had a shortish period of time to get things done. And the deal has now been consummated with the New Jersey Devils. Sounds more like a a canyon than a gap, Patrick. But in reflecting on it now and having some time to digest it, you know, 24 hours-ish, the contract has been, the extension has been signed for Sheragovich. It'd be tough to give that much term to Tyler Toffoli. He's 31 now. He'd be 32 by the time that that contract kicks in. And if you're looking at six or seven years, you're looking at 38 or 39 and I don't necessarily know if that's a prudent move for the Calgary Flames right now. You mentioned they've got a lot of long-term contracts tied up in players that are already in their 30s, so adding another one might not be the best way to go about constructing your roster and you really be finding yourself hamstring. And again, at the same time, and this is no disrespect to Tyler DeFoley, career year led the Flames in scoring. I understand it, 34 goals, 73 points. That's not a minor departure from a player that paced you in those categories. But at the same time, he had 49 the year before, 44 and 52 games the year before that. So is he the 34-goal, 73-point guy year in, year out on an eight-year deal? I'm not certain about that. And that would be the risk, the gamble that Craig Conroy would be taking, extending him for that long and extending him at the cost that it probably would have taken to make the deal work as well. I mean, you're not... You weren't giving to Foley six or seven years. Like, that just it wouldn't have made you can't. sense. You it can't. Would, not, for, not for a team... That is trying to go in a different direction here, like the Flames clearly are. It just wouldn't have made any type of prudent sense for them to go down that road. So, you know, I think being, I think you got to be super pragmatic if you're the Flames with a lot of these decisions right now. You got to be pragmatic. You got to be looking into the future. You're trying to keep yourself flexible. So, look, I, and, and here's the other thing. You brought up the, the Riley Smith trade. You know, yesterday we talked a little bit, Tuesday we talked a little bit about what Taylor Hall ended up getting. Well, and Taylor Hall and Felino together in that deal. Yeah, now Felino was an unrestricted free agent yeah. was was uh it's just the rights to him and but still maybe chicago but yeah absolutely um maybe um maybe there is a little bit more value in that than we thought but you take a look at what riley smith got riley smith gets a third round pick riley smith and tyler toffoli are very similar hockey players in terms of points output age like Smith and Toffoli, they, they're they're not identical in terms of what they bring on the ice and the way they go about their business. But if you were to make comparables in terms of what you'd be getting in Riley Smith and what you'd be getting in Tyler Toffoli, 
like we're talking about extremely similar circumstances. Same age, and one of them's coming off a career year. I get it that Toffoli was their leading scorer last year, but I don't know. Like, you take a look at what Smith got, and that's a third-round pick, and uh, Conroy ends up getting a third-round pick and Sharon Govich. I'm not saying that the Flames hit this Grand Slam home run on the Toffoli trade. I'm just saying that wingers right now aren't fetching huge returns. No, not at all. And to, just to echo your point on Riley Smith, he had 26 goals in 78 games this year and, and hoisted the Stanley Cup. So you've got the veteran experience. You've got the Stanley Cup winner uh, checked off. You've got a 26-goal scorer. And the Pittsburgh Penguins got him at a pretty good discount. So that tells you a lot about, I think, the market as, as it stands right now. But I think to a degree as well, it tells you a little bit about how valued cap space is at the moment. Because, yeah, I know it's not a significant move in terms of the cap for the Calgary Flames with freeing up about 1.25, 1.5 $1. But things are going to be tight in the NHL this offseason with the cap only going up $1 million. There's more than a handful of teams that are either right up against it as it stands right now or over on the other side. So I think it lends a little bit to what's going on in the market right now with contracts. And again, Tyler Toffoli's not a super expensive player at 4.25, I think it is. But there's still that added bonus of we're taking on salary, so here's the situation. It's just going to be a curious market. And I'm curious to see today whether or not there are some player personnel for futures moves and what those actually look like. Uh, a few more texts, 960-960. Uh, young centers are worth a whole lot more on the trade market right now than veteran wing wingers. Just look at the trade Ross Colton compared to Riley Smith or Hall, Hayes, etc. Uh, the Flames getting Sharon Govich in the third for Toffoli is a win in my eyes. Fans can complain all they want. They didn't get more for Toff, but this is a decent, albeit not overwhelming, return based on the market. That's from Braden in Calgary. Uh, Stephen Auburn Bay says, uh, I don't know what Flames fans expect when a player wants out. The team's GM loses all leverage in this situation, making it extremely difficult. It sounds like Toffoli was going to be asking for a price north of $8 million. Could the return be better than what they got? Maybe. I trust this new management staff to do what they think is best. Just my thoughts from another armchair GM, just like the rest of you. Uh, this reads, Jagger's a good player. He'll do well here. But the Dems just got a whole lot better, so thank you. I think that's Mike Bell texting in. That's just a guess. Uh, but the only Devils fan I know that listens to us. Uh, this says trading Tyler to Foley clears up cap space to sign Lindholm as well. Uh, and finally, Greg in Varsity says, to be honest, I don't understand all the dunking on Conroy. It's a decent trade, and the contract leaves some flexibility. They got younger, they got faster, and Toffoli would have wanted too much money and too much term. Uh, that's from Greg in Varsity once again. Uh, it's Pat and Vickers along with you from the draft floor here in Nashville and Bridgestone Arena. Our 2023 NHL draft coverage on Flames Talk is well underway, and it's brought to you by our friends at South Trail Chrysler with inventory shortages across the city is the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash visit selftrailchrysler.com Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. 
All right, continuing along from the draft floor here in Nashville, Bridgestone Arena is the home of the 2023 NHL Drafts. Pat Steinberg along with you as Flamestock rolls on, and uh, Frank Saravalli is with us for his weekly hit. Our NHL Insider brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Mr. Saravalli live on the draft floor with us right now. Hello, sir. How are we doing? I am pretty good, Mr. Steinberg. How are you? Are I'm you hydrated? I am hydrated. Uh, I saw that you you made the right call on Tuesday night. Left early. Hey, sometimes prudence is the better part of valor. I uh, I was going at a much slower pace on Tuesday night as well. I was. You were probably going at smart. a much slower pace on Tuesday morning. You know, I felt all right. To be okay. perfectly honest with you, considering the circumstances, I felt all right. All right. Yeah. Nashville will do that to you. Yep. Uh, the city wins a lot of careful. times, it's, a lot of yeah. battles it wins. It's like going to Vegas. The house always wins. Yep. <laughs> oh, next year's in Vegas. I don't know if you've heard. The I have. Uh, and awards. And awards again yeah. as well. Um, where do you want to start? Do you want to start Flames? Do you want to start league-wide? Let's start league-wide because there's a lot buzzing here in Nashville. And I'm fascinated to see not just the intrigue of where Matvey Michkov goes, but in addition to that, um, will the Montreal Canadiens move the number five overall pick? I think it's really dependent on the draft board and who's off the board, but we'll see. I mean, let us they've, they've been fielding calls all day. I know a couple teams have asked the San Jose Sharks if they're interested and or willing to move the number four overall pick, and okay. every answer that I get is no. Uh, so teams have called and asked. I, I don't think that they are interested in moving it. And um, the Habs, yeah, okay. keep an eye on the Habs. Anything else percolating out there when it comes to roster players, that type of stuff? Anything that you're keenly watching right now? Yeah, I think my eyes on the Philadelphia Flyers to see if they're going to move one of their top pieces, Travis Konechny. Probably unlikely Travis Sanheim, given the term and dollars remaining on his deal right at this exact juncture. Um, Scott Lawton's been out there. They're trying to get into the first round. I, the other team is the St. Louis Blues. Like, 10, 25, and 29, I will be floored if we walk out of this building tonight and Doug Armstrong has gone to the podium three times. Okay. I bet you it's once and out. Goes at number 10 and trades 25 and 29. And what he's looking for in exchange for those pieces is players that can play in his lineup right now. He's not rebooting. He's not retooling. He's not rebuilding. None of the R words. That team wants to head straight back to the playoffs after having a 109-point year, yep. trading away some of their vets, and then now returning to what they hope is the postseason. Okay, so we'll keep an eye on St. Louis. We'll keep an eye on Philadelphia as we move through Wednesday night. Um, Toffoli gets dealt to the New Jersey Devils on Tuesday. Uh, the Flames get Sharon Govich in a third back. They immediately sign Sharon Govich less than 24 hours later to a two-year contract of $3.1 million. Just what's your overall feel on the way we got to the deal and uh, the trade and contract that has, uh, that we've seen since? Well, first off, I really liked it. It was a definitive statement made by Craig Conroy. Rip the Band-Aid off. You have a player that's publicly asked for a trade is unhappy with the current situation that he's in in terms of the numbers or term that yep. was being discussed. I think it was a little bit um, the way that he framed it publicly, like in a technicality, is he right in that the Flames hadn't made an offer? They, they had. They, they 
They had, they had talks initial of, talks, yeah. and then they were so far apart that, that they knew that that wasn't exactly. going to be the case. And so to present it like the Flames never made an offer, or you know he's disappointed, like it's a fact of life. First off, you're on the wrong side of thirty, and you're coming off of a career year with numbers that you really have never come close to hitting before. That's that's a tough spot to put a team in especially with all these other things going on around them. Yeah. Elias Lindholm and the dollars they are trying to commit to him and, and the, the Noah Hannafin trade and all those things that, that are connected to it. So my answer to you in terms of what I think is, given the circumstances and situation, I think they did pretty well because people look at the last line of Sharon Govich's year last year and – he his numbers weren't great. His production wasn't otherworldly. Yep. But the thing is, I don't think he was utilized properly, and he definitely wasn't over the last couple months of the season once Timo Meyer got there. I think he's got more to give. I think he's a real solid middle six forward. And now the Flames get a guy that's under some control for a couple years and a third round pick. Yep. Like all things considered, I know the market wasn't thrilled about the price, but I don't have any issue with it whatsoever. Well, and, and I know that we're on a show called Flames Talk, blah, 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 blah. But you take a look at what Vegas just got from a Stanley Cup winning Riley Smith, a third-round pick, and the Flames – and a third-round pick next year. Flames get a third-round pick this year and a 25-year-old player. Like, it, it shows you two things. I, I don't think it's this complete and utter blunder from the Flames, A. Blunder? No and, way. And, B, it shows you that – Veteran wingers, there's there's just not a huge market for them. Taylor Hall, Tyler Toffoli, uh, Riley Smith, there's just not, in terms of what you're getting back, there's just not being high prices paid right now. I don't know if that's the case. Like, I, I think if the Flames wanted to go in a different direction, they could have gotten a pick, I think, in the late first round that they could have used. For Toffoli? Yeah. But on your best, like, okay, so... If, if you really and then everyone gets infatuated by the idea of let's get a first round pick first round pick first round pick but what happens when you actually go to the podium in that spot once you get past like 14 or 15 in the draft it's a literal coin flip as to whether he'll even make it to play 200 games in the nhl let alone to be an impact player and then you're dealing with the timeline of it which is in the best case scenario likely two three years away and the worst case scenario five years away from finding out that answer wouldn't you rather take a known commodity in Sharon Govich who has more upside and is on a pretty reasonable deal that you know is already in the NHL as opposed to hmm. just what? Guessing, hoping, wishing, praying at the first round draft board? And not to say you don't trust your scouts, of course you do, but there's only so far you can take it when you're picking that late. Interesting. Um, it's just a different perspective that I think everyone gets wrapped up about the idea of the first round pick. What do you make of the contract that he signed? It's a two-year deal, uh, 3.1. It does walk him to his first year of UFA eligibility, but also gives the Flames some decent flexibility cap-wise and roster-wise. I'm curious as to what you think about that. Well, two things. One, it would cost more if you were to buy, start buying UFA years. Two, I don't mind it because he's got a lot to prove, and he's got a lot to play for. Mm -hmm. So with that thought process in mind when you look at where he is don't be afraid of the two years everyone like that's 
going to be the new thing now in the NHL? Is everyone so afraid? What One year from now, the Flames are going to be in the exact same spot that they are right now with everyone else. One year away from unrestricted free agency. It's okay. It's just okay. You're going to make it. And he's got a lot to prove to think that he can be a six, seven million dollar forward in this league, and that's the challenge in front of him. And in the meantime, you enjoy whatever value you can create at three point yeah. one million. Uh, Frank Saravalli's with us here on the draft floor. Anything else that we're hearing flames wise? Uh, are we Backland, Lindholm, Hannafin, anybody else? Are we hearing anything? No, I think it's actually been somewhat quiet on that front. Um, I think the Flames have been fielding offers on Hannafin and, and other people, but nothing really to get excited about. And I don't even really have a sense from speaking to teams around the league that they have real, they don't have anything really on the line in terms of the backland. Okay. They're still going to try and take one more run at keeping him. I don't know if it's going to be successful. Michael Backlund is not just a proud guy, but probably a pretty stubborn guy. And even after all these years, once you get that thought in a player's head that he might go somewhere else, it's a really tough thing to shake. Okay. So one more run. What, how, how many of these guys do you think there's a possibility enter next season with the Flames but without extensions? Like, Is that something that we're talking about being a real possibility for a number of these potential names? I would say that's the one thing that the Flames have really let everyone know is we're going to try and fulfill your wishes, but if we can't, you got to be prepared to come back and play. Yep. And I think that's one thing that I think you see the reports on social media and you, you might think, oh, there's, there's animosity there, there's friction, there's whatever. Noah Hannafin has liked his time in Calgary. His message to them has been, I, my preference is to play in the U.S., and that for that reason, I don't intend to sign a long-term deal to stay here. But if you need to bring me back this season, I'm more than happy to come back. I'm on a contract. Yeah. Not forcing your hand. You don't have to trade me. So that's one thing that they have to consider. And then when you look at you know some of the other guys like Backlund, Lindholm, like we know how much their preference is to keep Lindholm in this organization. Like they're ready to green light whatever it is more or less within reason that he's asking for. So they've impressed upon him how important it is for him to be part of this team for the long haul. And until there's some kind of, you know, development in another direction as as intriguing as the interest has been with teams to get their hands on Lindholm, I don't think the Flames are afraid to bring anyone back. Okay. Uh, anything else that we should be watching? Any other, whether it's player news? Uh, I know the Arizona Coyotes uh, held a media availability today. Uh, anything else that, that we need to know about that is uh, kicking around the league right now? Nothing yet. I mean, I think there's a couple things that Coyotes Arena news. There wasn't, there's was like news but not news that they're working on sites. Um, when it comes to... Um, Sorry, I was just making sure I wasn't missing anything in my text messages there. When it comes to, you know, some other player movement, like same thing as I checked in in the last hour, flyers, okay. nothing percolating. Um, they're trying. A bunch of teams are trying, but nothing to report yet. How many texts have you received since sitting down? 
I was going to uh, estimate like somewhere in the 25 to 26 range. I think it's like seven. Really? Yeah. Okay. I thought it was We've more. only been here like 10 minutes. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Frank. Thank you. Uh, and I'll be happy to jump back in and join you if anything happens. Okay. Sounds good. That'd be awesome. Frank Saravalli is our daily face-off NHL insider. He joins us every week here on Flames Talk, and he joins us for South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. As we continue along this hour on Flames Talk, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and of course, live right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We are on the draft floor, and get ready for the 2023 NHL draft they're going through the uh, they are going through the roll call which is always fun as we move closer if you're listening live move closer to the first round of the NHL draft and the Flames will hold the 16th overall selection in this year's draft Aaron Vickers of FC Hockey with us Vicks, what type of player are the Flames? We're just about to hear from Todd Button, Director of Amateur Scouting. Before we hear from him, what type of player are the Flames looking at at number 16 overall? There's going to be a plethora of forwards available. This is a very forward-deep draft, particularly down the middle. So the Calgary Flames have an opportunity here. We all know how coveted centers are in the NHL. We all know how hard it is to acquire a number one center. We're learning how hard it might be to retain a number one center. The Calgary Flames are going to have a list of 10, 15 guys that they really, really like. That doesn't include the popular names at the top of the list. There's no need to put Connor Bedard on your list. Spoiler alert, Calgary Flames, he's not falling to you. The Calgary Flames have the opportunity to get a player they really like and a player that's going to immediately vault in. No disrespect to probably Matt Coronado, I would say, is the number one prospect in the Flames organization as it stands right now. That'll change at pick number 16 if and when the Calgary Flames make it. And you know what? I'd be curious to see what happens there because their list is really long list of players that they like is really long i think we could see a scenario where they trade back at the same time there are probably 32 other teams that are really impressed with the way their list has been composed now so i wonder if there will be scenarios throughout the draft not just specifically with the calgary flames where there is an ability to move back or if everybody is just so happy the fact that their list is long enough of the tiers the ledges of the players that they're going to like that they don't need to move up but I'll be curious to see if there are opportunities to move down because that list is going to be deep for the Calgary Flames, and it'll be the top prospect in the organization once the pick is made. Let's hear from the Flames Director of Amateur Scouting. His name is Todd Button. Spoke with him on Tuesday, getting set for the NHL draft. The Flames hold the 16th overall selection and uh, also hold picks in the second, third, fourth, sixth, and seventh rounds. All their picks, including that third-round pick that they acquired. Do you want to run through the map real quick? No. Uh, oh, you mean the, the the third round pick? Yeah. I, I think I remember. To Seattle. Calgary to Seattle. To Columbus. To, Columbus. to New Jersey. Back to Calgary. Yep. So it is their pick. Well traveled. Here's Todd Button, Director of Amateur Scouting, to get you set for the Flames at 16 in the first round of this year's draft. This year, more picks than last year, but I know that that doesn't really change the way that you go about your business, right? The picks that you have you're going to spend the same amount on whether you've got 10 of them or three of them uh but what is what has this year been like in terms of the lead up it's been really good it's been it's been good because we've had a full uh full season of scouting <coughs> excuse me meaning we've we saw the underages last year at the capital city challenge so we came in with a list that we know is a workable list and we were excited right from the start that this was a pretty talented uh draft class um, somebody asked me earlier, you know, what about the defenseman? And I would tell, I would say, like, you know, at the start of the year, maybe it wasn't defense deep, but as the years progressed, yeah. defensemen have, have emerged. So we're excited about the whole class. And, of course, Jordan 
Siglet, he loves his goalies, so we got goalies too. So we're excited about the whole process and the whole draft. So you, for the first time, I know, I know that you had a normal-ish year scouting last year, but this was the first normal year since the pandemic in terms of all the leagues. How does it feel like scouting-wise and getting ready for a draft? You're kind of back to normal as, as if it were five, six years ago? Yeah, except for the getting into Russia, so that's the only thing. But so we've, you know, we've got we've we've got a we've got good video. We've got uh, uh, our, our European scouts have seen these guys live as underages, so we're confident in that part. Obviously, Michkov, we all saw it in Texas when he was seems like he was 14 years old. Yeah. So yeah, this is the, the first year like that. All all things are pretty much equal as far as live viewings and traveling and tournaments and everything like that. So let's talk about this year's draft class. You just talked to, like, everybody has been hyping this up on the outside is one of the best classes in a decade, one of the best classes in years. Is that also how you see this draft in terms of high-end depth or just however you'd grade it? Yeah, I don't know how far I go back. I just know that our group is excited about this draft class. And uh, we're excited every year because we think there's players. And, and uh, But what I tell people is when we make a list and say we're picking 25th and we got 18 guys, you know, you're hoping there's seven guys that go in so you can get one of your top 18. We're at 16 right now and we got 15 guys that our guys do not want to get out of. Meaning if Craig said we can trade down, we're like, no, Connie, you can trade down, but we have to get one of these 15. So when is that, when the numbers are that oh. tight, the guys are excited about it. And then when we started going into the second round and 48, we're looking at a list, we're building it uh, in the last couple of days and the guys are like, yep, good player. Yeah. We'd be lucky to get him at 48 or whatever so it, it got to the point this morning when we were just finalizing everything that, that guys were like hey we might get one of these guys in our on our top list in uh, at uh, in the fourth round forwards is that that that's the biggest strength of this draft I, I, high end and first round everybody's buzzing about that but if you go deeper is it still a draft that is really strong at forward i think it evens out after a bit but i would say it's probably three to one forwards to defensemen in the top 35 okay but then after that it evens out and then you're going to get a lot of a lot of good choices of a lot of different types and styles of players the depth from the high end is there as well like we're talking about guys that you know mid-round could be going higher in other years is that is that what we're talking about with the first round and the first 30 35 picks yeah we think we're going to get like high-end defenseman or high-end forward at 60. That's what we think. That's how we see the class. And whether it's a winger or centerman, we're not talking depth guys or bottom six guys. We're talking closer to top line, first-line first top-pairing defenseman than, than uh, the lower end of the lineup. So where, when you take a look at the way that the first round stacks up, we always talk about those ledges. Where, where does your group see those this year? So we, we, we got our top four, which okay. is may, may or may not be what everybody else has. And then we got like two or three guys that we think are the next special players. And then we got, like I said, the eight guys that make up our 15 that we're, we're, we're going to try not to move out of unless we're guaranteed to get one of them. Okay. How close are those ledges when you start to look at the each and, and level as you go deeper into the draft? They widen a bit. Only The levels get more players, but only because there's more types of players involved now. Mm-hmm. Now you bring goalies in, into the play, which we don't have in play at 16, right? So you have goalies, you have more defensemen. You, like I said, it evens out with, with the forward to the defenseman. And then, like I said, the guys are excited. Like it's, uh, We're looking at 48, and we're thinking we can get somebody maybe that we have as a first-round a first grade on. As we move into the later rounds, is, is it competitive with other drafts, better than other draft classes? I'm curious, as you move into your later picks, mid-rounds, late rounds, what we're talking about. I, I usually gauge that. I, I know some of those players, but I gauge that by my knowledge. 
but I gauge that by how many guys we have in our area list. And so my list probably stops mine and Rob Sumner and Fred Parker because we start our list from the top to the bottom. We probably stop around 45 players. So then if our Ontario scout brings another 20 names and then our Quebec scout brings another 20 names, now I'm looking and we've got 126 guys left after our first list that's that's exciting for me because i know these guys like these guys yeah there's there's guys that these guys like and they're they're gonna push they're gonna push forward those uh you know after after the second round so at this stage we're a little more than 24 hours out from round one is your list set complete what's the status of of your final list of guys it's done it's all done right now um uh, we met with management this morning. We presented it. Uh, the questions were asked. What levels? Where do you want to move out of? Who do, who do you want to make sure you get? And uh, Connie had a couple questions. Don Maloney had a couple questions. But like I said, Connie's been involved all the year. So he, he didn't have to. It wasn't. Uh, we didn't have to fill him in that much just because he's been out of the room a little bit. Yeah. So we're ready to go. Connie's ready to go. You've got a new management group. But as you mentioned, it's still, it's still a guy you're really familiar with. Has anything changed for the group with the transition from Tree to Craig, or is it kind of business as usual? It's been business as usual. Now, I, I would say that there's a possibility Craig might want to tweak some things as we move on, but he, he was the process, he likes the process and how we go about it. So he didn't change anything. And like I said, he's been part of the process. Yeah. So that's been, that's been really helpful. You don't have to, it's not more time consuming, and he's been able to do his. You know the coaches and the, the, any trades or signings, whatever he has to do on the side. So it's been it's been pretty seamless, and uh, we we haven't changed much yet. Doesn't mean we won't change any little things going forward, but right now it's uh, it's basically the same way we've ran it all year. When Craig was in his prior role as AGM, he did he did a lot of work on each of the lists, right? Like he would do a lot of the write ups, and and he would really contribute to that final list so in in that respect as you mentioned he really has been part of the process over the last decade and a bit he's it since he's been here in a executive role he's touched every part of the organization development and coaching like he's he's got involved in it and with the scouting college scouting pro scouting and he's done a lot with the amateur scouting and the thing about amateur scouting is you can't just jump in for a week and watch a guy and make a determination so he's from the start of the year he picks his key spots living in calgary helps because you see the top westerners come in right you can see all those guys that come in and catch games but he's up to date on our top 30 guys he knows them and he's really really up to date on our our top 16 because even before we knew that tree was leaving he was going to the games he was at the yep. under 18s he was he was at the whl playoffs he was at the top prospect yep. so he's he's up to date that is todd button director of amateur scouting for the calgary flames as they get set to make their 16th overall selection wednesday night and they've got five more picks on thursday in rounds two through seven of this year's NHL draft. As uh, we start to wrap up this hour, lots there. Frank Saravalli joined us. Uh, we had lots, so we heard a little bit from Tyler Toffoli, now a member of the New Jersey Devils. We heard a little bit from Craig Conroy after the, we talked a little bit about the Sharon Govich extension, all of it, as uh, the Flames have been busy so far this week in Nashville. And uh, hey, it's only day three of four days of coverage here from Nashville and the 2023 NHL draft. Our uh, producers this hour have been Cam Taylor and Azam. Aaron Vickers is on Twitter at AA Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg, and our NHL draft coverage on Flames Talk is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brought to you by our friends at uh, South Trail Chrysler and Calgary Lock and Safe. And this hour of the program has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by our friends at Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe. 
even through employee turnover. Visit CalgaryLockAndSafe.com.